This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Maids, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in roughly 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined with by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. Good, good. Well, as always, we're here to chat stocks, which I'm excited about. Always excited to talk stocks with you. Today, we're here to chat books. Yes, that is also true. Got me on the technicality. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right, Ren. This episode, um, it's the first episode for the month of June. So we're going to be recapping uh, our book club book of the month of May, which was um, Sam Walton's Made in America, the founder of Walmart. So uh, we're going to crack into that with a, a few of our actionable insights that we got out of the book. I thought it was a, a good, interesting read, um, particularly as uh, you and I are both in retail, Ren. It was uh, interesting to see how he has somewhat framed and shaped the in- retail industry as it is today. So um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, we've got two things we want to raise. Yeah, well, I've got a bit of a <laughs> mea culpa to begin with, I guess. Yes. And for those of you who are following our stock of the year, uh, I chose Costa Group, uh, Australia's largest horticultural company. Yes. Bryce, uh, I can't actually remember what you chose. I went with baby bunting. Baby bunting, that's right. Australia's largest baby specialty goods retailer. And in the head-to-head battle of baby goods and fruit and vegetables, uh, baby goods are smoking me because <laughs> Costa Group had a announcement to the market that didn't go down well and the stock price fell from memory about 25%. Yeah, so it was a, I it think was a dark you, week for Costa Group. Yeah, I think you can probably bank the win. Honestly, I still like the company. I still think the fundamentals are good, but they're obviously very exposed to the climate and drought. And uh, this year, a bad crop of raspberries. That, that was the recent announcement that made it fall again. Worryingly for Costa Group, uh, not the first concerning announcement that's come out. So the reason I chose it as my stock of the year was 
it was just off the back of a bad citrus announcement and that the stock fell and I thought, oh, this really come home and, uh, and got me. So well done, I guess. Two years in a row, you probably have me for stock of the year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't concede yet. Don't concede yet. Anything's possible. But I think it's a, it's a really interesting company because the reason that they are facing these headwinds are really to do with things that are outside of their control. And as a business, uh, sorry, as an investor, I think it's important that when you look at these sorts of companies, you uh, take these things into consideration. Obviously, they're being severely impacted by uh, weather conditions, as you mentioned. Uh, but you mentioned off-air, Ren, that you're thinking of uh, putting a bit of money into Costa. I think this is a classic example of, what does Warren say? Buy when everyone else is running away or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, buy when others are fearful. <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts around that? Well... I, you know, we don't talk about what we're actually going to buy because it can be construed as investment advice. Yes. So we'll keep it general. Yeah. I think the the one thing, if we want to get into specifics about the company, there's one thing that maybe we should be fearful of, and that is female fruit flies, scariest of all insects. In case you didn't know, <laughs> that is not what I thought you were going to say. But okay. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that. Now let's talk about the book. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Nah, so um, female fruit flies. <laughs> so if you if you think about why Costa is an interesting buy, it's because there's a mega trend at the moment in terms of the emerging agent, emerging Asian middle class, about expected to be about three billion people by 2030, and where Costa and a number of Australian agricultural retailers or Australian agricultural exporters, sorry, are uniquely placed is that they can export into that middle class and particularly the upper middle class and the people with more uh, disposable income who want higher quality produce because Australia and New Zealand in particular are seen as really high quality agricultural region. So that's the mega trend, that's the context. And now Costa has a couple of structural advantages in that. And one of them in particular is if you're in a certain area and there's no female fruit flies, say it all, it all does come together eventually, you don't have to do as much to your produce before you export it. I think it's called cold treatment and a particular area where Costa grows, this this could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's their raspberries. It may be another uh, fruit or veg that they grow, was designated this area that was like fruit fly free and therefore it didn't need to go through cold treatment and therefore it was cheaper to export. But unfortunately, Costa recently found a female fruit fly in one of their traps, which could be a concerning sign and uh, of for the whole region, but um, particularly for Costa investors, for Costa's growers in that region. So Interesting. That's, that's probably... Now, now, I haven't done enough research on it. I've sort of just been following the news the last couple of days. But be greedy when others are fearful is what Warren Buffett says. The oft not quoted second part of Warren Buffett's spe- speech is uh, unless there are female fruit flies present. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, look, I, I really think it's an interesting company. I really yeah. think the... Obviously, I've done well on A2 Milk. We've had, told that story to death. Um, a number of investors have done extremely well on Blackmore's, Bellamy's, Treasury Wines. There's a number of Australian companies that have benefited from this 
booming Asian middle class mega trend as these exporters, Australian exporters, export more into Asia. I think that trend's only going to continue. So it's something that I'm watching very closely. And if it's not Costa, there will definitely be other Australian and New Zealand companies that I'm looking to throw some money into over the coming years. Nice, Ren. Um, That reminds me, during the week, there was a a great example of, I guess, taking note of uh, news to get an understanding of investing opportunities and i'm not sure if you, you're probably aware very well read for for the general news you are so you would know about the swine flu epidemic that is sweeping through parts of asia at the moment and a lot of pigs uh, are obviously going to be killed or are getting killed at the moment and from uh, an investing point of view i just think it's a good call out that for in a lot of beginners always ask you know where do you get inspiration for stocks where are you finding your stock picks that's a classic example of um understanding uh what impact this is going to have on pork prices obviously if thousands and thousands of pigs are being killed then the demand is still going to be there for pork but the supply is going to be less so from an australian point of view if there you're a pig farmer in australia it could be very good news as the price of pork is probably about to start shooting up quite rapidly i don't have any companies in mind that are directly related to that but i'm sure you could do some research and find out but i think it's just a, a good call out you know taking it note of uh, what's happening in in the world and from a news perspective and relating it back to investing so 100 it's actually part of my day job is uh in involved in the african swine flu oh, there um, you go yeah we are there's, there's certain things that you know every australian retailer needs to do to stop it spreading and so yeah I'm, I'm well aware of it and it's not in australia thank god so yeah australian pork producers would be a good one i'm pretty sure that you could just trade pork futures as well um a bit complicated I'm not sure but if you can, yes i'm not sure if you could trade that in australia but i'm pretty sure they, they exist in america probably not for you and i and the beginner investors but no people more sophisticated investors if they want to benefit from it but yeah like i think pork is the number one protein in china uh just by amount consumed and I think, yeah, we're, we're up to millions of pigs that have had to be put down, essentially, because uh, they need to stop the spread of this virus. Mm. So pretty concerning. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of like we don't want it to spread globally and be a, you know, mad cow, bird flu, that, that kind of thing. Um, but you're right, in crisis, there's always opportunity. So Bryce, as the cold-blooded capitalist that he is, is uh, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> looking, looking for the opportunity. <laughs> Cull. Speaking of pork, I was out to dinner last night, Ren, and had a delicious pork belly um, at a Thai restaurant with a few mates. And um, one of them who is a listener of the show and started his investing journey was uh, showing me a couple of stocks that he's been investing in. Uh, it's always great to chat stocks with mate. you get mates. You get a, a really good uh, idea of where everyone... what everyone's getting ideas and what they're thinking about. And he alerted me to one that... Uh, has had a great market update uh, very recently and it's it's uh, stock ticker is EOS. It's called Electro Optic Systems and it's heavily involved in space and defense. So quite a specialized company. They, they do things, you know, to do with space debris and satellite management solutions. They have IP and sort of software that 
controls weapons systems and ancillary products and a whole bunch of sort of IP related stuff to do with the military and obviously they it's all about contracts uh, for them so recently they were awarded a few contracts that has really I guess built out their pipeline for the next few years and they released an update that says they've secured sufficient orders and market momentum to maintain a compounding growth rate of over 45% beyond 2020. On the back of that, the stock rose about 27%. Um, So I think it's just another great example of... So Cam did some research. He was really interested in this space, found this company, put some money into it and was very fortunate that they have released this statement and he's uh, doing very well on the back of it but it's a company i'd never heard of and we can now add it to the watch list so just thought i'd call that out nice one a word of caution for all investors out there relying on companies that rely on contracts especially big military contracts there is always an element of risk because so much of their commercial outcomes are dependent on other people's decisions that they have no control over. Uh, one company that I took a bit of a bath on, if we're uh, if we're going to be really honest here, is Adacel, ASX code ADA, who similarly made um, like flight simulation, air traffic control training software for you know all these militaries and all these civilian uh, aviation authorities around the world, and it looks like they have you know a really structural advantage because. There's a network effect if everyone's been trained on the same system and their technology was supposedly far better than everyone else's. But as soon as that, that, that might all be true, but as soon as they start losing contracts, then uh, everything sort of falls apart. So mm-hmm. good call. I like it. I'll, we'll def- I'll definitely add, what was it? EOM? EOS. EOS yes. to the watch list. Yeah. Um, but just a word of caution about relying on big contracts for big chunks of your revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ren. Well, we're now halfway through the podcast and we haven't discussed the book at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking stocks, so that is good. No harm in, in that. So let's quickly whip out quickly whip out this, this book review and then we'll, we'll wrap it up so that we stick to our mantra of 20 minutes or less. <laughs> okay, so everyone will have heard of Walmart. Uh, if you've ever been to America, you probably set foot in one. Uh, Sam Walton was the founder of Walmart, literally started with one store and just grew it from there. To, to give you some context, today it does over half a trillion dollars in revenue, $514 billion in revenue last year. That is just... That is so much it's money. It's mind-boggling, when, yeah. When you think the Australian economy is, what, a, a couple of trillion, a few trillion? Yeah. And yeah. Walmart alone is doing half a trillion in revenue. So, um, do you want to... Let, let's... Everyone sort of gets the Walmart story, I guess. Do you, do you want to just kick in straight into actionable insights? Yeah, well, I just want to frame it from the perspective of, as I said at the start of the show, both in retail as a day job. If anyone would like us to do Equimates as a full-time job, you know our details, send us a check. We can get that going pretty easily. But um, yeah, so I think it was from my perspective, it's it's not necessarily a, a, an investing book as such, but 
it was a really good insight into the way that you uh, the way that a really good manager goes about running a business and he's one that uh, you would want to find and invest in I think for me the biggest standout was his continuous desire to learn and disrupt both from uh, learning from his customers and also learning from his competitors he was ruthlessly competitive when it came to almost crushing his competitors and and being disruptive and always trying new things to I guess break new ground and I think from a, an investor's point of view if done well and managed correctly then it obviously has huge advantage when it comes to market share and growth. So I think that was probably my biggest takeout from the book. In terms of actionable insights for me, Ren, he was just nonstop learning. In, 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 as, as I sort of just said, he was learning from mentors. He was learning from books. He was learning from his competition, as I said. And I think his relentless focus on the customer really drove all that. So before I go into detail, is there anything from your point of view around those points? No, you you go into detail and then I'll I'll give you mine. Okay, well, I think a few things that I want to point out in terms of the size that I picked up out of the book in case the 500 trillion is not big big enough for anyone, but this was in 500 billion. 500 billion, sorry. 500 trillion, trillion would, would be, nuts. be huge. <laughs> so in 1991, I always love these stats, so I picked these out of the book. 1991, Walmart sold enough men's and women's underwear and socks to put a pair on every person in America with some to spare. One quarter of all the fishing line produced in the US, which was about 600,000 miles at the time, was enough to go around the earth 24 times. That's how much fishing line they sold. Uh, They sold 55 million sweatsuits and 27 million pairs of jeans, and 20% of all the telephones bought in the US came from Walmart. So pretty phenomenal stuff. Um, but that's just a goes to show the size the size of the business. And one quote that I pulled out of it, Ren, and this is a famous quote, I guess, all, all around the world in retail is uh, Sam says, "There is only one boss, and that's the customer." He says he can fire everybody in the company from the chairman on down simply by spending his money else somewhere else. So, uh, just goes to show you the way that he put importance on delivering for the customer, and I think you can see how those that message carries across to retail today, especially with Amazon and how Jeff Bezos is incredibly vocal about his relentless pursuit for customer satisfaction, almost almost at the expense of anything else, and it's paying dividends. So, yeah. What are your nice thoughts? One. I don't actually know if he is paying dividends, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I probably took three actionable insights away. And I think... I know you said it's not an investing book. And in the strictest sense, you're right. I think there are definitely lessons that we can learn and we can apply in our analysis. So, that's sort of the way that I've approached this. Yep. What, what, are the, what are the hallmarks of this business? One of the most successful businesses ever. And how do we apply what he's done here when we think about other businesses? So, first one for me is slow and steady wins the race. Don't we, we often love the stories of exponential growth, but the Walmart story is the opposite of that. It's a really uh, sort of structured, almost conservative, but really clear-sighted and planned growth. So, to give you some context... In 1962, Kmart, Target and Walmart all opened. Within five years, 
Kmart had 250 stores and $800 million in sales, whereas Walmart had 19 stores and $9 million in sales. So Kmart shot out of the blocks extremely quickly, Walmart a lot slower. By the time they were both public for 10 years, so they went public at different times, but when they were both on the public markets for 10 years, Kmart had 500 shops and was doing $3 billion. Walmart had about 50 shops doing about $80 million. So again, just like wildly different sizes and growth trajectories. But at the end of the day, Kmart fell over in America. From memory, it got bought by Sears in like the early 2000s and now Sears has gone bankrupt. So Kmart is, you know, not not much of anything anymore. Whereas Walmart, because it, well, that's part of the reason why was because it was conservative in its growth and invested sensibly, continues to just grind it out and continue to grow to this day. So I think that there's definitely a lesson there in being patient with your money and finding managers that are really using their capital efficiently. So that, that was number one for me. Number two, and this sort of follows on from that first part of the story, the Kmart story. So number two is look for companies that are investing in technology and one of the the hallmarks of the walmart story is that they invested in technology before any of their competitors did so in the 1970s kmart's management were quite change averse especially in regards to technology whereas walmart were investing in new it systems and they even invested in a satellite in the early 1980s so think about that like only 11 years before you know, the NASA had landed on the moon and at that stage, not even America's biggest retailer, but one of America's big retailers was investing in a satellite in a satellite to send into space. Like they were on the cutting edge for a retailer and it paid dividends, literally. Um, so Sam Walton, when he wrote the book, uh, said the fact that uh, it took about 3% of a product's price to move it from through their supply chain into shops compared to 4.5% to 5% for competitors was testament for their to their investment in technology to drive the cost down. And when you look at the, the outcome of that, it's just that Walmart is so much cheaper than any of their competitors. It's just a really long-term structural advantage that they have because they invested in technology and because they continue to invest in technology to lower their cost of doing business. So I think... Look, look num- the second actionable insight is look for those companies that are making those capital investments to drive down their costs and become really much more efficient than their competitors. It's all good and well for your company to pay dividends or to buy shares back, but the companies that are making the long-term investments with that capital instead are probably the, the longer-term companies that you want to hold. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So that, that's one and two. Number three for me is probably a bit more retail specific, but I, I, do, I do think it's important in whatever business you're in, is that for Walmart and for Sam Walton in particular, there was a relentless focus on being merchandise-driven rather than being operations-driven. And so what that means is, you know, operations are all about finding, you know, ways to cut costs today. And merchandise, being a merchandise-driven business is finding ways to just grow sales. And obviously, every company needs a balance of the two. But I think where Walmart did really well was it empowered its team to really go out there and sell as much as possible. And I think in whatever business you're in, you want to find businesses that have that attitude rather than are just cutting costs to keep their profit margins at a, you know, at a consistent level. So for me, the three big actionable insights were, one, sometimes slow and steady is better than exponential growth. Two, look for companies that are making those long-term investments in becoming more, more efficient than their competitors. And number three, don't look for companies that are just cutting costs. Look for companies that are consistently trying to grow their sales. Love it, Ren. Nailed it, as always. <laughs> <laughs> and similar to you, the quote that I pulled out was a, a, almost exactly the same theme as yours. So the quote I have is, Business is a competitive endeavour and job security lasts only as long as the customer is satisfied. Very important in retails, well, in any business really, is to ensure that at the end of the day you are satisfying your customers' needs. Otherwise, you won't have a business for very long. So great book, Ren. I, uh, I enjoyed reading it. I think it's certainly worth the read for our listeners. It's not a massive book. It's certainly no titan. It's easy to get through and quite entertaining, I think. Great insight into one of the best re- retailers the world has ever seen. Huge call, I know. But um, No, I think it, that's a pretty – almost. that's almost a conservative call. I think that's undisputed. <laughs> well, there you go. And even today, Walmart still – staggers me in the way that it continues to grow at the rates that it does considering its enormous size so just a phenomenal business at the end of the day so uh we'll yeah put it i up. think i think sorry just to interrupt anyone who works in retail you would do well to read this book yeah absolutely. Uh, outside of investing and outside of equity mates uh, i think it's it, it would almost be a, you know if i had a team under me uh, i would it would be a must read mm, mm, no I, I agree I, I i'm sure almost every retail ceo has read this because there are a lot of uh, similarities in the way that they run their businesses today um so we're going to put it up on our website. It's going to be on our book section. Head there if you want to check it out. We'll have a link so you can go and, and buy it and add it to your collection. Well worth the read. So, Ren, for our book club of the month of June, what book are we going to do? Uh, it's your choice this month, isn't it? It is. So leave it with me. Haven't put. Uh, haven't thought about it. So if you snooze, you lose, Bryce. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate one this month. Okay, then. hit us up. Um, it's called Devil Take the Hindmost. It's a history of financial speculation by Edward Chancellor. Nice. And essentially it is a historical look at a number of financial bubbles throughout history. So 
All right. Well, let's lock it in. We'll have that up online as well. So if anyone wants to read along with us, we can, they can do so. And that brings us to the end of the episode, Ren. So always good to chat stocks. We did chat stocks in this episode at the start, probably more stocks than book, but that's okay. Just like doing what we should for uh, retailers do for their customers. I think uh, everyone appreciate, appreciates us chatting stocks. So let's leave it there unless you have anything else to add and we'll, uh, we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Equity mates! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful.